Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Michelle started last Sunday. It is gratitude in motion. And specifically, I'm going to share how you can stay upbeat and happy no matter what. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Because sometimes we just have a little trouble with that, don't we? Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Especially during Thanksgiving. But uh, I just want to share, just as I get rolling here, I just want you to know the three points of view that I'm coming to you from, okay? Because you, if we haven't met yet, um, I would love to meet you in the lobby after service. But just to give you a little background, and Robert, thank you for the great introduction. He shared a little bit about what I do. But I'm coming at you today from three different points of view. The first is that I was a pastor for 27 years at a, a church in Central Florida. Yes, and so it's real, you know, that is still one of my passions, though I don't do that full time anymore. You just can't take that passion out of a pastor even when they no longer pastor full time. Do you understand what I'm saying? I love helping people find the hope and the joy in Christ. Can you say amen? Do I have the right group? Amen? All right, all right. So the second point of view I come to you from is a doctor of clinical psychology. And I'm so excited because I'm going to show you how science and the Bible connect together. And oh my goodness, God is so stinking smart how he created us. And and it's going to play right into what we're going to talk about today. So that's the second point of view. And then the third is Robert mentioned. I'm a coach for executives and business owners and federal uh, government agents around the world Uh, and specifically in the United States. So I'm going to come to you from a coaching perspective. Can I coach you a little bit today from God's word? Yes? All right. Sounds good. Well, let's get rolling. You know, some Thanksgivings, you may sit around the table like I have, and whoever is hosting Thanksgiving, they may ask each person to go around the table and say what they're grateful for what they're thankful for. Have you ever experienced that? Yes? Maybe that happened to you this week. How many of you had that experience this week? Okay. Now, let's be honest. We're going to be real today. How many of you sometimes have a difficult time with that kind of thing? I do, right? Especially when I'm not very thankful, right? But when Thanksgiving comes around, you're expected to be what? Thankful and grateful, right? So there have been many Thanksgivings where I have just been in a funk and I have been in a tough season and you know that time comes around where you're asked to share something you're thankful for and I'm sitting there and I'm like I got nothing I got nothing have you been there some of you are shaking your heads you know what I'm saying I got nothing and you feel you know talk about imposter syndrome you know you're supposed to be grateful but because of all the stuff going on in your life it's really really tough to find even one thing you might be grateful for. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how we can find our thanks and how we can be grateful no matter what. When I was, this is about three decades ago, I was 27 years old and I was the principal of a school grades K3 through 12th grade. 
And I was handed this assignment. I was asked to leave this school. And when it was handed to me, it was already $2.5 million in the red. Can you say, ouch? Ouch, okay? So I was, I was asked to fix it. They, they give this to me, $2.5 million in the red deficit. And they say, we want you to, to see what you can do with this. So that was a very difficult time for me. 27 years old, I had a staff had a whole school to run, and then this big deficit. Sometimes we, you know, there were, there were those moments where I didn't even know if we were going to make payroll that week. Can you relate? Any business owners in the room, right? You or anybody leading a business, you understand what that's all about. And so I, at that moment, was under so much pressure, and it was overwhelming. And I can remember walking into the, my, my secretary's area, which was right outside my office, and she handed me a piece of paper to read. It was a letter to all of the parents of the school, and she asked me to sign it. So I said, all right, Mary, I'm going to read this over before I sign it. So I read it, and I found this really funny mistake that she had made. She had misspelled a word, and I said, well, I chuckled. I said, oh, Mary, I can't can't sign this because could you just fix it first, and then I'll sign it. And she looks up at me, and she says, do you realize that is the first time we, collectively, there are other people in the office, that's the first time we've seen you smile in about three months? <laughs> I brushed it off. I just walked away. I went in my office, I closed the door, and I went into the corner where no one could see me because there's a, a window in the office door. And I stopped. And I paused. I said, God, is that true? Is that the first time I've cracked a smile in three months? Yeah. See, if you would ask me at that moment, what are you grateful for? I would have said, I got nothing. I got a school that's in the red. I'm, I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm not sleeping. I've got a headache 24-7. I've carried a bottle of Tylenol in my purse all the time, and I was constantly popping Tylenol. I said, I haven't seen my, my son in weeks because I'm just, just trying to do the best I can to, to, get, to get this school in the right place. If you would ask me right there, I would have said, I've got nothing to be grateful for. And I realized coming out of my office that morning, I had to do something different. Have you been there when you're at a place where you just realize something has got to change? Something has got to to shift, right? So I realized I had to begin searching for things to be grateful for. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you feel like you are just under so much pressure and so many things have gone sideways on you and you just can't seem to, to feel like there is anything that you can be grateful for. I want to share with you how we can find those things, how we can search. Have you ever seen this kind of thing? A metal detector, right? Have you seen people at the beach going through there? And of course, you know how this works. It'll beep when they find treasure under the sand and then they start digging. They want me to stand by the podium. I'm going to try really hard, guys. I want to try really hard. I like to walk around. So, you know, it'll go off when there's treasure. It'll go off when there's something to be grateful for. Do you hear me? It'll go off 
when there's something under there that you can scoop up and take home and be grateful for. Now, here's the thing about this metal detector. And here's the thing about the treasure that lies beneath the sand. The treasure is there whether you search for it or not. The treasure is there whether you find it or not. It's just that sometimes we don't search. The treasure is there even though your last business deal went sour. There's still treasure somewhere. The treasure is there even though there's that diagnosis of cancer. The treasure is still there. The treasure is still there even though your marriage may not be everything you want it to be. It's still there. It's just covered up by some of the difficulties in life. Are you with me? I'm going to share with you today how we can fine-tune our Thanksgiving detectors. Are you ready to go on a journey with me? Yes? Because we're going to dig up some of that treasure when it's tough and when it's difficult. I want to take you to a passage of scripture, Philippians 4, 8, and you'll see it on the screen here. This is probably a very familiar passage, but Paul, who wrote this verse, hands us a thanksgiving detector. He says, think about things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure, and beautiful, and respected. See, the very fact that Paul is telling us what to think about shows us that we have a choice. We have a choice as to how we're going to think. There will always be some junk in our lives that we can complain about, and there will always be some good stuff if we can search for it and uncover it. It's kind of like a spotlight on a stage, okay? They, they asked me to stand in the spotlight. They don't like it when I walk away from the podium. You should have seen the message that was just flashing at me a moment ago. Stay near the podium. Now, here's the thing. When you stand in the spotlight, this is what you see. But if there were people, say Caleb is over there in the dark, messing around, moving things around, stagehands in the dark, moving props, you don't see that, do you? Because your focus is on what's under the spotlight. And so that's what Paul's encouraging us to do right here with this verse. He's saying, hey, put your spotlight, put your focus on the things that are worthy of praise, that are good, that are true, that are honorable, that are right, that are pure, beautiful, and respected. That's what you want to be thinking about. There will always, listen to me, there will always be, be some degree of darkness in our lives. But when we put our focus on the good, those things are out of sight, and they begin to shrink and diminish. Are you with me? Yeah? You know that to be true. Yeah? This is not rocket science, but I'm going to share with you a few things about from science. Brain research has shown that when we have just one negative thought, it could be a complaint, it could be judging someone, it could be a thought about you don't like the way you look in the mirror. It could be you don't like the way so-and-so looks. <laughs> it could be any kind of negative thought. Just one negative thought changes our brain chemistry. 
and actually sucks away and depletes the chemicals that make us happy and grateful. And on the flip side, when we have one positive thought, when we think of one thing we're thankful for, when we think of one thing that makes us light up and we can get, just get joy out of, it creates happy chemicals. Do you see how the two work together? Be grateful, be happy. When you think happy and grateful thoughts, you will feel happy and grateful. That's not just psychological mumbo jumbo. That is actually brain chemistry, 101. All right, take my word for it. Take my word for it. So God, when he put this passage in the Bible, Philippians 4, 8, he knew this would bring us good mental health. Can you say, oh, yeah? Can you say, oh, yeah, I'm there, right? I'm all for it. But can you imagine Paul's advice in reverse? Let's think about this. What if he said, think about things that are bad and worthy of criticism and impure? Think about things that are untrue and dishonest and unjust and ugly and negative and vicious. Well, why would we want to sabotage ourselves like that? But we do, don't we? We do. We just go there because the world around us goes there. And it's so easy to get sucked into that. This last week, Ted, my husband and I, and our daughter spent the week in the mountains of Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains, and we got a cabin by the river. It was just a really nice time. We went hiking. We love to do outdoor stuff. So we went hiking. We went up to the Smokies. We uh, went to waterfalls, all that kind of stuff. And we drove on something called Cades Cove. How many of you have been to Cades Cove? in the Smokies. It is an 11-mile loop, right? It is an 11-mile loop around the Smokies, and it is a single lane, and it's meant to take you through the scenic route so that you can enjoy the mountains. And the thing about this is that the, the single lane is so single that you cannot pass the cars that are in front of you, or you would veer off the mountain, right? I mean, you got to hug right? You know, you got to hug that mountainside so you don't fall off. And that's awesome unless you get behind the slowest driver in the world, which is exactly what happened to us. You're, it's, it's supposed to take you 30 minutes to go through this loop, going 35 miles per hour. Well, this white Suburban, a few cars ahead of us, decided it was going to go seven miles per hour to enjoy the scenery. And that meant that everybody, every car behind that one was also going to go, what, seven miles per hour. Do you know how long it took us to get through Cades Cove? 2.5 hours. It's supposed to take 30 minutes. So we took my daughter's Jeep which she had just purchased. She just bought a Jeep last week or the week prior. And our plan was we were going to take the Jeep up there. And it, this was going to be the inaugural off-road trip for her Jeep because we just love that kind of thing as family. And so we knew that off of uh, the Cades Cove loop, you could go on this really cool trail with a Jeep. You have to have a 4x4 to do it. And we could cross 18 creeks in the Jeep. 
there were 18 water crossings. So we were all about it. We were geared up. We were ready to go. And we knew it was going to save us from staying behind the slowest driver in the world, right? Because we could get off onto that trail and then just do our off-roading. So we are salivating at this idea. We are almost to the trail. We are getting geared up. We are ready to roll. We are getting ready to put that thing in a four-wheel drive. And we reach the place where we would get out from behind all the slow cars. And there's a chain across the trail with a sign that said trail closed. (sighs) We were bummed. Listen, we were beyond bummed. We had no words. In fact, if we had words, they wouldn't have been good words. We were ticked. I mean, we were hot because we had been behind all these cars. We had just been, that is one of the reasons we went up there. So I'll tell you, our attitudes began to shift and began to spiral. And we actually got pretty sour to where, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody just, just turns up the AC and you're like, don't touch that. Right? You know, you get on edge. You get tired of, of being together. It's like, all right, we're done. And I said, I said guys, we got to get a grip here. I told my husband and my daughter, I said, we just, we got to find something to be grateful for. And we've got to find something that we can anticipate for tomorrow. So we began to make a mental list and we, we shared together all the things that we were grateful for. And the next day we had plans to get up at 5 a.m. and to go to the highest point in the Smokies, the summit, and watch the sunrise. And we were so excited to do that. And so that's what we focused on. We focused on something good, something that was going to be exciting, to see God's creation, to see the beauty of the mountains and the sunrise. And so that right there, that moment of gratitude, began to change our spirit. Do you see how that works? Began to release. Can I just... Just say happy chemicals. We'll just put it like that. Began to release all kinds of happy chemicals into the brain. And and it totally flipped our attitudes. And we were much nicer to one another and being together. See how beautiful that works? So did you know that gratitude and frustration cannot exist in the mind at the same time? Can't. Did you know that gratitude and anger cannot exist in the mind at the same time? It can't. Did you know that gratitude changes your mind and makes you happy? Now, you could say, well, it changes your mind. Gratitude changes your mind. You can take it that way, but it actually does change things in your head. How many of you need your head changed a bit? You need some things to change there. Gratitude can help you do that, but it's a challenge. So let me introduce to you a little tool based on this passage of Scripture that I shared with you, Philippians 4.8. This is a five-question tool that you and I can use when it's tough to find things to be thankful for. This will be our Thanksgiving detector. So if you have notes, if you have a piece of paper, or you have a digital device, I encourage you to write these down as we go through them. Five questions that will help you soup up or fine-tune your Thanksgiving detector. The first time I did this, I was sitting in a Barney's coffee shop, and I was depressed. I had just lost my grandmother. She had just passed away, and she was a very special person to me, just just very, very important in my life, and losing her was very difficult 
And on top of that, I was uh, finishing up my postgraduate degree in, in clinical psychology. And so it was just a very demanding time. So I was emotionally drained. And I'm sitting at that Barney's coffee shop and I came across these questions and I grabbed a Barney's napkin and I started writing the answers down to these questions on that napkin. And what I'm going to share with you right now could be very pivotal to you because I'll tell you when I finished answering these questions, I walked out of that coffee shop a changed person. So today, if you write these questions down, it could potentially be a game changer. You ready? Here's number one. What are five things I am thankful for right now? Now that's easy, right? Maybe not. What are five things I am thankful for right now? Can you think of one? Raise your hand when you have one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Some of you are struggling to find one. Just think. I'm asking you to find five but can you just come up with one right now? Just think about it. Gabby, yep. Sid, yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Marita, good. Good. Helmy's back there. Diana, you got it? I'm waiting. Can you just think of one? Kim, you got one? Beautiful. Kylie, you got one? Robert, okay. Good. All right. Now assess how you feel. Feel a little happier? Feel a little more maybe a little lighter. Now just think what it would be like if you found five. Five. It's almost like being at Rodney and Michelle Gage's house and they set this little cup in front of you at Thanksgiving with five kernels of corn in it, right? And you're supposed to take one of those jokers out. And each time you take out a kernel of corn, you're supposed to say what you're grateful for. But that can be difficult. All right, so are you ready for number two? Let's write this down. What are five of my strengths? or positive traits? What are five of my strengths or positive traits? That's not hard to figure out, is it? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm good looking, I have a charming personality, you know, you can just go on and on and on. Just think, what are five of your strengths or positive traits? Number three, what are five of my best achievements so far? What are five of my best achievements so far? Number four, who are the five people who love me the most? Isn't that a sweet one? Who are the five people who love me the most? And number five, this is, this is my favorite. What are five things I'm looking forward to in the next seven days? What are five things I'm looking forward to in the next seven days? When I did this on that Barney's napkin, at that moment, I didn't have much hope. But when I answered this question, I remember writing down that I was going to a surprise party for my friend Kelly that Saturday night. And I clung to that for an entire six days. That was the thing that got me through to the next week with some gratitude and some hope. You know what? Sometimes that's what you got to do to get through the week. You got to think about what you can anticipate and what you can be hopeful for. So that's number five. What are five things you're looking forward to in the next seven days? All right. Now, you could ask questions such as the anti four eight questions. 
You want to know what those are? Try these on for size. What are the five things that make my life really stink right now? Yep. How often do we say that? Number two, what are the five of my most damaging weaknesses? Been there, done that, right? Number three, what are my top five recent mistakes or blunders? Shoot me now. Number four, who are the five people who would really like to see me fail or suffer? How many of you have done that? My boss, my colleague, my neighbor, right? And how about this? Number five, what are the five things that I am absolutely dreading in the next seven days? Mm. You see, we think about things like that, and of course we're going to be sad, possibly depressed. We will not be grateful, right? So we've got to search for our thanks. And that's why I love 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we tear down arguments and every presumption, every thought set up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. Now, I want, I want you to just really think about this verse. When you have a thought that is not in line with God's word, what do you do? You capture it. You can lasso it and yank it down and pull it down here so that it does not stay above what you know to be true of what God says. You got to tear it down, tear it down. You get a thought about lack. You get a thought, oh, my life stinks. My life, could I just say it sucks? Is that okay? Can I say that in church? Yeah? You get a thought, oh, man, anything that does not line up with God's word, I am not forgiven. God doesn't love me. My family doesn't love me. Look, you get a thought that is not in line with God's word. You capture it and you tear it down and you replace that thought with what is in God's word capture it, tear it down, and put that other thought from God's word above it. That's called thought replacement therapy. In the world of psychology, that's exactly, isn't God so smart? Isn't he? Isn't he? That's what we've got to do. That's what we've got to do, thought replacement therapy. So, so the idea here is we've got to search for our thanks. And it's there. Whether we search for it or not, it's there. Whether we uncover it or not, it's there. And if we find it, it will make us happy. My cousin, Lauren, is going through the fight of her life right now. Lauren is in a third world country, and she oversees a missions organization, and they have multiple orphanages and feeding stations. They rescue children that have been tossed aside. She and her team have rescued babies out of dumpsters babies meant to just be thrown away, babies off the side of the street. The government will sometimes bring them 
children to take care of, not sometimes, a lot of times. And they share with them the word of God and the love of God. It's an incredible ministry. But the government of this third world country wanted Lauren to sign a deal with them. This is going on right now. That would give them control over this ministry so that the word of God couldn't be taught and the love of God couldn't be shown. So Lauren has refused to sign the deal. Because of that, the government is retaliating and accusing Lauren of child trafficking and other crimes. So when I tell you Lauren is going through the fight of her life, I don't say that flippantly. She has to communicate through very secure channels. She moves from safe house to safe house under the cloak of darkness, sometimes riding in the back of a trunk so that she's not detected. She's been detained multiple times, even just recently, placed in handcuffs in front of her children. She has a boy and two girls, young girls, who had to watch their mom with the, 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 the intention of carting her off to prison. And yet none of this is true. She's got mounds of evidence and lawyers working this week on her case. Them working, but, but this week, hopefully, we're going to see some favor she and I were messaging each other yesterday. And, you know, I was just trying to encourage her, sharing with her that we're praying for her, our family's praying for her. And she said, keep praying, I'm really struggling. If you were to ask Lauren right now, does she have anything to be thankful for? She might say, I got nothing. I got nothing. We sat at the Thanksgiving table this Thursday, my family and I. In fact, her mom and dad are here. They're the founders of this ministry in this third world country. My aunt and uncle. And we sat around the Thanksgiving table. In fact, we were standing in the kitchen and we FaceTimed Lauren to wish her a happy Thanksgiving. And at first she wouldn't come to the phone because she didn't want her, her mom to see her crying. She didn't want the rest of us to see her crying because it's, it's hard. It's hard. Thank God she was with her kids at that moment. She was in her house at that moment, though the authorities didn't know that. She's safe at this moment, but an hour from now, we may not know where she is. And in her message to me yesterday through secure communication, she said, Linda, I don't know what's going to happen. I may end up in jail for something I didn't do. But you know where her thoughts are right now? Her thoughts are on the multitudes of young boys and girls that they have rescued and shown the love of Christ. Her thoughts right now are on the orphans that have been dispersed because some of the staff have already been thrown in jail at the orphanages and, and, and the kids are just out there on their own. 
And so she emailed my aunt, who's sitting right here in front of me this morning. And she emailed her and said, we've got to keep raising money so that we can get Christmas baskets with food to the staff and to the kids that are on the streets or they're not going to be able to eat. So yeah, you could ask Lauren, hey, what do you have to be grateful for? And she might have to search a little bit, just like you, just like me. And, and yesterday she, she told me through this message, she said, you know, I feel like Paul and Silas when they were sitting in prison, especially in that moment where the authorities tried to detain her at the border when she tried to get into the United States they put her in handcuffs in front of her two young girls. And do you know what those girls did? As they were watching their mom put in handcuffs, they began singing songs of praise. Those kids have grit, I tell you. Those kids have fortitude. They have faith in God. They may not have everything they want right now. They may not be seeing the hand of God move in the way they want it to. But they are searching. Every day, every moment something to be grateful for. It's kind of like what Paul writes in Philippians 4, right down from the passage I shared from you, with you. He said, for I've learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. He says, I know how to get along humbly in difficult times and I know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. And in every and any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, having abundance or going being in need. And then he begins to share the famous passage that we know, I can do all things through Christ. But let's go back to the verses before that. Here's the key. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable and worthy of praise and right and confirmed by God's word. I'm reading here from the Amplified. And then a little further down, he says, think continually on these things and the things, this is verse 9, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Paul gives us a master to think list in Philippians 4, 8. And the questions I gave you today, which were developed by a guy named Tommy Newberry, they can help us search for our things. It might take you a bit to uncover some of the things you're thankful for. But are you willing to fine-tune your Thanksgiving detector today? How many of you need a little help with that? And you would say, yeah, I, I would like you to pray for me because that's been a little bit of a struggle. And I want to fine-tune that Thanksgiving detector. How many of you might say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I see your hands. I see your hands. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking, well, this God that you talk about, this Jesus that can 
be right there by your side and give you strength. I don't know him. Well, if that's the case, let me introduce you to my best friend, Jesus, whom God sent to die on a cross and to forgive every single one of us of our sins and to give us eternal life. If you want an opportunity to come to know him right now, we can do that together. We can pray together. So just lift your hand and, and we'll pray. I'll pray a prayer. You can just repeat it after me. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. In the middle. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Beautiful. Beautiful. Would you just repeat this prayer? You don't have to say it out loud. If you want to, you can, but you can just say it in your heart. Just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving me such a precious gift of your life and for forgiving me of my sins. Cleanse me, Lord, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. That's it. How beautiful is that? Now you have a lot to be grateful for, amen? Amen. How many of you are going to fine-tune your Thanksgiving detector? Yes? Well, I hope this has been valuable. Let's do that, right? We got to search for our thanks, and we will find our thanks. You with me?